This is an ABC podcast. Okay, my friends, welcome to the Snack Pack and let me just make sure we're all feeling comfortable. I'll set the thermostat to 19 degrees because coming up, we're going to be having a pretty chilly debate with Matilda Bosley from The Guardian as we argue over whether it's better to text or call. Now I might turn up the thermostat a little bit more to a supernatural level because author George Ivanoff has written the Supernatural Survival Guide. We'll be talking spooky things and aliens. But hang on, let me just pump it right up to 27 degrees because that is how angry the world got when an American tried to make fairy bread in tribute to that wonderful Australian piece of cuisine and cut the crusts off. Oh my gosh. In fact, let's just jack it up to 50 degrees because it's going to be a hot snack pack coming your way. Now, let me just put my dad hat on, march in and say who turned this heater up that high because it is simply not on. That's pretty much how I spend my life now. I've become that guy. I walk out, my daughter's put it up, I put it down and then I start saying things like, um, you know, that costs us money. Or, uh, you know, that affects the environment. Like, I hate myself. I've become that guy. But I don't know what the perfect temperature should be. All I know is it's always too high for my liking. You know someone else who's pretty particular about temperature? It's Paul McDermott. The man, the myth, the legend. You know him from years of work in the Doug Anthony All-Stars, Good News Week, ABC shows, music recordings. He's got a brand new EP out called I've Seen the Future and You're Not In It. But he's particularly het up today over a particular aspect of cafe culture. Paul McDermott, what is the hill that you would like to die on today? Water for tea, and I'm talking salon tea here, Indian tea, must be boiling. The, uh, the liberties that have been taken over the past 20 years with, uh, with boiling water have been shameful and uh, I think uh, a real spot on the history uh, of Australian culinary um, achievements. The... the uh, the laws that say that you can't have boiling water anymore, it, they must be changed. I wasn't even aware of these laws. What are you talking about? Well, uh, it may be apocryphal, but sometime in the, in the, the 1990s, late 1990s, early 2000s, apparently a woman in uh, America uh, got, um, you know, got a hot coffee or something or a tea from uh, McDonald's and she spilt the the liquid into her lap, she burned herself on the thighs and it created a, a massive lawsuit. Millions was paid out and uh, to this woman. And around the world, instantly, people fearing uh, similar lawsuits uh, began to, um, and, and governments, began to dial back the temperature for boiling water. No, oh, for, yeah, for tea, for liquids, for beverages. And it's... it's All from it's one wrong. little burnt thigh in America. Can you believe that? It's, it's upsetting. But now, and this happens particularly in Melbourne, um, but around the world, uh, when you go for a, a, a pot of tea now, the water isn't boiled. It's not boiling anymore. It's, it's, it's 80 degrees. It's, it's not boiling. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's very upsetting for me because you need the boiling water to release the flavour of the tea. I'm not talking about all your airy, fairy fake teas. I'm talking about real salon tea, or what we call here English English tea. Oh. Um, it's it's a, a massive problem. Listeners, because- take up your arms. Your general is trying to get you to die on this. Paul, there's going to be like blood spilt here. Are you really prepared to, uh, to, to push this barrow, given the fact that even if my tea was boiling, I would wait until it was 80 degrees before I could drink it? Yes, but that's all right. 
but it must be boiling for the t- for the leaves to be activated for them to release the beautiful taste of the tea. Activated? It, it, this is not the punk Paul McDermott I grew up watching. What have you become, some sort of new age hippie? I don't categorise me as a as the Pete Evans of tea. <laughs> so I will wear that. I will wear that cross. I'll take that burden if you must. But this is essential. I, I don't know much about cooking. I'm not a MasterChef fan. I don't follow my kitchen rules or any of that. I know one thing, one thing only, mm-hmm. that boiling water is needed... For salon tea. What, for what the, is for the flavour to be released. Have you been in Paris Indian or something? tea, Indian tea, the oh. classic tea, just your tea. Not your, not all your variants of tea, which are made from other herbs thrown into boiling water. For green teas and other types of tea, you don't need the water to be boiling. But for, for tea tea from the tea plant, you need it to be boiling. I'm not sure if I even want to enlist in this army, Paul, because quite honestly, I don't know if it's worth dying for. It's worth dying for, my friend. Did you have a sip of tea before you said that? I did indeed. What are you drinking? <laughs> you, you have the I'm <laughs> drinking boiling tea. <laughs> but you can't drink boiling tea. You've clearly waited for it to cool down. I wait only moment. I know I love it. I love a, oh. I, something that scorches my tongue that leaves the, that rips open the top of my palate. Is that <laughs> how you get those sweet falsetto notes? Does it ever end? Oh. When's it going to quit this voice? It just doesn't stop. It just gets more beautiful. It's got. It's actually gotten some um, some timber in it over the years. Not just the the beautiful mellifluous honey. <laughs> My goodness me, Paul McDermott. Well, look, I, I'm, okay, you've charmed me. I'm going to join your army. I don't know if it's just going to be you and me and Dario or whether hundreds more will join. But you're prepared. This will be on your tombstone. He died drinking boiling water. Drinking boiling, boiling water for flavoured water, boiling flavoured water. <laughs> the, the problem is you've got your coffee shops all over the world and now when you go in for a cup of tea at a, a coffee shop, it, the tea comes from a coffee machine and coffee machines are traditionally sent, uh, set to 80 degrees or, or even lower because people don't want, uh, you know, boiling, you don't need boiling water for coffee. So it's an insidious, it's an insidious uh, aspect of the, of the coffee world, which I think is conspiratorial. I think it's a way of making people not want to drink tea because you can't drink and shouldn't drink tepid tea. Yeah, offer up a pale imitation and then turn people against it and then exterminate <laughs> it forever. And then you've got your coffee drinkers everywhere, and Melbourne knows this. You've been invaded by coffee drinkers. Their breath smells, they're, they're agitated, they're violent sort of people. It's like they've had a hit of speed or some other uh, some other drug in the early hour of the morning, and it is a drug, uh, and it makes them shaky, uncertain, and very aggressive. I don't know if you've ever been with or met a coffee drinker oh. before. When they just wake up, they are angry, bitter, nasty people. They have a, a shot of coffee, and it calms them down slightly. Right, but it leaves them with stinky breath and and, and bad attitude, and well, <laughs> and the vacuum between that and the reality of what they really are as people is just it's just I don't know, it's frightening. It's frightening for me. Tea drinkers are very well, are very sane, scented people. I've been working in breakfast radio for eighteen months. Uh, that describes all of us perfectly. I'm holding a coffee as I speak. So look, I just have to um, sign up to your army. I have. Are to. you shaking? Are I'm you shaking? shaking? <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm terrified. I'm addicted. I don't know what's going on, but I will die so gladly alongside you, Paul McDermott. And then I dare say we should open a speakeasy and just serve 100-degree tea against the law uh, at all hours of the night. What do you reckon? Well, I would love to do that. It's just, it's not at home. I can boil to my heart's content at home, but if, I, I can't go to coffee shops anymore. I've given them up. And no, I used to love going out, sitting at a coffee shop and talking loudly about myself. I can't do that anymore. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack.
Open with care. Hey, uh, Samuel, I'm a bit concerned with what you've just spoken about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you got some parenting issues, mate. <laughs> okay. Me and every other parent on the planet. No, no, no. You have to get a bit harder on this because okay. um, every degree over 21 degrees yep. cost cost you a lot of, a lot of money. Over 21, that's the perfect. Now, why are rang sleeping bags, Sammy? Sleeping bags? Yeah, metabolism of women is so different that they have a... If I had a three-season bag and a person, a, a female, they would have a four-season bag. So they're always one step up in, in the sleeping bag range from, from my outdoor hey, experience. So what, what do you, what's, this, what's this range? Three persons? What does that mean? Three oh, seasons? Well, no, it's three, it's three seasons. Three seasons. Like this. Some people talk about temperatures in sleeping bags, but in reality, they're two, three, four seasons and um, sort of winter and then extremes. Different real categories of sleeping bags. But if you're in a four-season bag, your wife would most likely be in a, in a mountain bag, the one one above each time because of different metabolisms. Gary, can I put mm. to you that the world would be a better place if we all slept in our own individual sleeping bags every night rather oh, than yeah. doing this? <laughs> yeah, well, there would be a few issues. Yeah, yeah well, we won't go there. So <laughs> no, go there. If I think of my own body temperature, probably, like, if I go back to year 10 on debating nights, that was when it was the highest. Like, my gosh, all the eyes on me and my fellow teammates as we scrambled to rebut and engage. I mean, it was high, high stakes. I love me a debate. I love me a debate about world events and world affairs, but I love a debate about trivial things even more. Which is why I have dragged Guardian Australia's journalist Matilda Bosley back onto the snack pack to argue over whether it's better to text or call. And I should like to start, Matilda, by pointing out that we are not having this debate over SMS, are we? But we could. I think that's the important thing to note is that we could. How would that go down? Well, look, I'm not going to say it would be great for radio, Um or really makes sense, actually, now that you've pushed me on it. Um, but I, I feel like I'd be feeling a lot more comfortable. It's right an early now. blow for the J. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm dancing while you're on the ropes. How about this? Okay, you, you, SMSing someone, Matilda, you use a cheeky emoji, which is what we've all come to do. Even my dad does it, okay? He's, he's in his 70s. But there's a risk of them being used inappropriately. If I feel like an eggplant palmer, for example, I might text you an eggplant with a mouth and a wink, and that would not be a good thing, Matilda. There's all sorts of room for error. Um, yeah, hilarious, hilarious error. That's the spice of life. Old people misunderstanding texting conventions <laughs> is my favourite thing on earth. You want to take that away? <laughs> Phone calls, I'm going to know exactly what they mean all of the time. Now mum's texting, oh, the cat's died, LOL. I've got to guess, you know, that's fun. <laughs> okay. Matilda, I work in radio. I have text messages and phone calls constantly. If someone texts me and says, you suck, Sammy J, I might take that personally. But if they're on the phone and they go, oh, you suck, Sammy J, it's all about the tone and I know they're my friend. Tone. You lose the tone in the SMS, Matilda. My, here's the thing. You're assuming that we're just talking about speaking with friends. You're wanting people to know. Sometimes when I text someone, I want my tone to be ambivalent and and, and, and ambiguous even. I want them to, like, freak them out. You're thinking about you got to text enemies. Texting enemies, you have the other <laughs> hand. They have to guess. That's, that's, where, that's where it comes in. 
Okay, I will just I will allow this briefly for a moment because so you're saying that yeah, actually the complete obfuscation and, and confusion that can you can actually build that into a text when you when you're trying to get your way. You can't on a phone call read a message then leave it for two hours. That's a power move. <laughs> That's amazing. You ever someone sends you a heartfelt message, you laugh, react it, leave it be. That's that's power, and I don't want that power taken away from me. Feel that silence, Matilda? Yep. That's power, isn't it? I'm giving, it was, I'm giving, I'm giving I, you the phone call silence. I checked my phone. I checked my phone to see if I was still on. Boom! Jay's dancing. Okay. Hey, Matilda, how's this? I had to call. No, I didn't. I, eventually I did, but I needed some help from a big business in Australia during my holiday break. And they have a chatbot. I went on their website. It said, text us on this number. And it's like an official process where you text them and then a chatbot writes back. It was the most infuriating hour of my life. I wasn't talking to a person. I was talking to a robot. It couldn't help me. In the end, I had to call the store and then I was looked after by a human. That's simply something that you can't get in the form of an SMS. I know that from hard-earned practical experience now. Here's the thing, though. How long did you have to wait for the call? You could easily be wasting an hour in your life waiting for a human to get around there. Have some AI smooth it over in the meantime. And, you know, once you get on the call, you're going to have to, what, pretend that you're not angry, have to <laughs> regulate yourself to be a good person, not yell at the person at the end of the phone because at the end of the day it's not their fault. You're just putting an innocent person in the firing line. I'd prefer that I take my anger out in text. And then, you know, at least there's a bit of distance between the poor victim of capitalism and me, you know? Oh, sorry, that was not the boxing bell. Wow, if that was a text message, you could have just like edited that beforehand, but anyway. Look, okay, some texts are flying in. One person uh, says, uh, look, the minstrels, the minstrels are a group of uh, wonderful listeners to this show, uh, are the very best of friends, they say. Ours is a nearly entirely text-based relationship. Can you imagine all four of us on a phone call together? And uh, another one says, I enjoy sending a voice message, best of both worlds, speed of speaking with the non-intrusiveness of a text. <gasps> Matilda, is that a happy place? Would you lay down arms and agree to share the victory if we could both agree that voice memos are the perfect solution? You know what? I'd love a voice memo. That is actually kind of the perfect solution. I'm not going to lie. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. It's really frustrating because in the car, I've got, you know, I kind of like, my car's like 11 years old or whatever, but I can't control what the temperature is. I've just got, you turn it on hot or you turn it on cold. <laughs> so I'm all, every morning, I get in the car, 5.30, switch you on. Um, depending on what time of the year, I'm going... Turn it on the red or turn it on the on the blue, and then it's a battle for the first fifteen minutes to try to get the right temperature. Yeah, look, I got my car like five years ago, but it has got the little like it's a digital one, and so you can actually do if you if you move the dial up, it goes in half degrees. So and then I have to expend mental energy going, oh, is it twenty two or twenty two point five? It's unnecessary. Yeah, look, now you're taking it, taking the piss. Someone told me during the week uh, their parenting hack for heater issues with their children, which was basically if the child has turned the heater up but the child in question is wearing shorts or a T-shirt when they do that, guess what? Heater goes off for an entire week. Brutal, but you'd learn your lesson, wouldn't you? Oh, my gosh, I'm such a dad. You're wearing a T-shirt, you turn the heater up. It'll make me angry, but not as angry as I would be if I was invaded by aliens. I imagine it's never happened, 
but I imagine I'd be pretty ticked off, you know what I'm saying? But when you think about aliens, normally you think about Roswell or the X-Files, your brain goes to America quite quickly, which is incidentally what might happen if an alien were to invade you and take your brain. But you know, there's a lot of weird, cool stuff that's happened in Australia too that can't always be explained. George Ivanov is the author of The Supernatural Survival Guide. George, tell us about the Westall UFO sighting that happened in Melbourne a couple of decades ago. Or did it? Probably um, Australia's best-known UFO sighting. Um, in 1966, a whole bunch of, of school kids and a couple of teachers saw a UFO um, over the Westall um, High School in Victoria. And um, it's never been fully explained. Um, there are loads of theories, but um, because it was very poorly investigated and poorly documented at the time, um, we don't really know what happened. And we're unlikely to ever, you know, find out what happened. But there are lots of theories. People, of course, gravitate to the most um, sensational of those theories that, you know, it was uh, aliens visiting our planet or the government uh, testing some super secret new um, stealth aircraft or whatever. The most likely theory, however, is that it was one of those high-altitude balloons with uh, um, a radiation equipment payload. Um, Australia at the time had a, a joint US-Australian military project uh, launching um, radiation monitoring on these uh, balloons in the upper atmosphere. And, you know, one of those balloons was launched at the right time to have possibly been what people saw. Okay. Sighting, so you, do, you bring this, not confirmed. do you bring this level of rational thinking to most, if not all, of the supernatural things you discuss in the book? And by that I mean, do you believe in anything that maybe had an element of unexplainability about it? Look, I, I do try to bring this um, rational approach to everything. I don't dismiss the possibility of um, a supernatural explanation because, look, um, however unlikely that the visit was alien aliens visiting our planet, it is still a possibility. We can't completely discount that. So I, I, I try not to completely discount these, but I do try to bring a rationality to it and introduce kids to the, to the idea of critical thinking. Right, so here on the Snack Pack, we love our snacks, don't we? That's sort of, that's our thing. It's our motif. It's what we riff on. And one of the greatest Aussie snacks of all time, as we know, is fairy bread. In fact, it is so apparently aligned with our nation that when a woman in America decided to cook a different meal from every single country in the world, she chose fairy bread to represent Australia. But something went a little amiss. Have a little listen to the audio of Alexandria Dragovsky as she puts together her fairy bread. I'm cooking one meal from every country in the world and say we're making fairy bread, which is a recipe that's really popular to eat at children's birthday parties in Australia. It's basically white bread with butter and sprinkles or hundreds and thousands on it. It's really interesting and it was really fun to make. And if you want to learn how to make more recipes from Australia, specifically Australian sausage rolls. Okay, so the fairy bread that Alexandra Dragovsky created has really caused a storm because she cut the crusts off. This is from her website and TikTok account, The Foreign Fork, and I'm joined now by the fairy bread offender herself, Alexandria Dragovsky. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. I love your work, but what were you thinking, cutting the crusts off fairy bread? 
Oh, thank. Well, okay. So when I was doing this recipe, I actually thought in my head, this is going to be a point of contention. If I do this wrong, the crusts are not the crusts. Um, and so I actually Googled the question, do I cut the crust off of fairy bread? And I found an article from Australia that was the top um, result. And it said, what monster made you eat them with crusts on? So I thought that you could <laughs> Alexandria, you know, we're just, I guess the Australian thing is taking the piss, you know. Someone was just having a prank and, and pulling your leg and you fell for it, I guess. <laughs> I guess. And then also to double check myself, I was like, hmm, maybe I need to YouTube this. The first YouTube result, the second step was to cut the crusts off. So <laughs> while obviously the Australians know far better than me how to make fairy bread, I will say I was taught by two Australians to cut the crusts off. Well, you know, the worst and most offensive thing, I guess, is that you're doing it, you're cooking a meal from every country in the world and you chose fairy bread to represent us. Well, I mean, how did that happen, Alexandria? Well, actually, Sam, I made seven recipes from Australia. Okay. So I, did, yeah, I did um, sausage rolls and, and a whole bunch of other things too. They're all on my website, but the fairy bread was just the one that got a whole lot of attention because of the crust issue. Hey, are you actually a candy marketer? You knew exactly what you were doing. You were trying to cause outrage. And now here we are talking about the foreign fork on the radio. I know I'm on Australian talk radio, so it must have worked. You've been munching on the Sammy J snack pack. Clean yourself up. Well, we've had boiling tea. We've had crustless fairy bread. We've had debates and we've had aliens. I reckon that is a full rounded meal. Thank you as always for tuning in. Thank you to my sound wizard Ross Kavanagh for twiddling the knobs. Please make sure you subscribe and rate it. Tell your friends if you'd like to. I'll be back with another snack pack for you next week. Take care.